This is the Finding the Founders podcast, episode three. Hello, Patriots. Welcome to the Finding the Founders podcast. I am your host, Nathan Burr, and I am grateful that you have tuned in. I am fired up today because we are going to confront a lie and we are going to bash it over the head with the truth. You have likely been taught, whether it was in school growing up, at college, maybe even a Christian college, perhaps even from the pulpit of your church. And if not formally taught, you have certainly heard the narrative that the Founding Fathers were irreligious men, deists at best, who were not influenced by God or the Bible, but by the secular Enlightenment thinkers of their day. And thus, America was never a Christian nation, but was founded as, and continues to be today, a secular country. Friends, that is a load of manure. However, don't take my word for it, because I'm just a guy on a podcast. I could, I could tell you anything. That doesn't make it true. Take the Founding Fathers' words for it. For the rest of this episode, I am going to read you quotes and statements from the Founding Fathers. And they are but a sampling of the, the quotes and writings and speeches that exist. I'm trying to keep these episodes short. And so I'm going to pare the list down. I'm also going to source these quotes for you, lest you think I just pulled a meme off the internet. One of, one of my favorite memes is, is a picture of Abraham Lincoln and beside it a statement that says, you can't believe everything you read on the internet, signed Abraham Lincoln. The point is anybody can put a picture out there with a quote. That doesn't mean that person actually said it. So I'm going to give you the actual source of these quotes. The first is from Samuel Adams. He was a signer of the Declaration of Independence. I think it goes without saying which, which declaration, but the Declaration of Independence and he was a governor of Massachusetts. This is from his last will and testament. I recommend my soul to that almighty being who gave it, and my body I commit to the dust, relying upon the merits of Jesus Christ for a pardon of all my sins. George Mason, who influenced Jefferson's draft of the Declaration and also authored the Virginia Constitution, in his original will, I give and bequeath my soul to Almighty God that gave it me, hoping that through the meritorious death and passion of our Savior and Redeemer Jesus Christ to receive absolution and remission for all my sins. John Dickinson, signer of the Declaration, a general in the Revolutionary War and a governor of two states, in his will. Rendering thanks to my Creator for my existence and station among his works, for my birth in a country enlightened by the gospel and enjoying freedom, and for all his other kindnesses, to him I resign myself, 
humbly confiding in His goodness and in His mercy through Jesus Christ for the events of eternity. Benjamin Rush, signer of the Declaration, a Surgeon General of the Continental Army. My only hope of salvation is in the infinite, transcendent love of God manifested to the world by the death of His Son upon the cross. Nothing but His blood will wash away my sins. I rely exclusively upon it. That's from the Autobiography of Benjamin Rush by George Corner. Roger Sherman, a signer of both the Declaration and the Constitution. I believe that there is one only living and true God, existing in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, that the scripture of the Old and New Testaments are a revelation from God, that God descend His own Son to become a man, die in the room instead of sinners, and thus to lay a foundation for the offer of pardon and salvation to all mankind, so as all may be saved who are willing to accept the gospel offer. That's from the book The Life of Roger Sherman by Lewis Henry Boutel. Robert Treat Payne was a signer of the Declaration and the Attorney General of Massachusetts as well as serving on the Massachusetts Supreme Court. He said the following, I desire to bless and praise the name of God Most High for appointing me my birth in a land of gospel light, where the glorious tidings of a Savior and of pardon and salvation through Him have been continually sounding in mine ears. That's from the Papers of Robert Treat Payne by Stephen Riley and Edward Hansen. You catching a theme here? Josiah Bartlett, and not the Josiah Bartlett uh, portrayed by, what was his name, Martin Sheen on the West Wing, but the actual Josiah Bartlett, who was a signer of the Declaration and the first governor of New Hampshire. This is from his proclamation for a day of fasting and prayer on March 17, 1792, in which he exhorted the people of New Hampshire, quote, to confess before God their aggravated transgressions, and to implore his pardon and forgiveness through the merits and mediation of Jesus Christ. End quote. John Adams, who was a co-signer, or excuse me, a co-drafter and signer of the Declaration, and also the second president of the United States. He said, Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. That was in an address to the military on October 11, 1798. James Madison, the fourth president of the United States and known as the father of the Constitution, in a letter written to William Bradford on November 9, 1772, said, A watchful eye must be kept on ourselves, lest while we are building ideal monuments of renown and bliss here, we neglect to have our names enrolled in the annals of heaven. Charles Carroll who signed the Declaration and was both a Maryland and United States Senator, in a letter to John McHenry on November 4, 1800, said, Without morals, a republic cannot subsist any length of time. They, therefore, who are decrying the Christian religion, whose morality is so sublime and pure, and which ensures to the good eternal happiness, are undermining the solid foundation of morals, the best security for the duration of free governments. Daniel Webster. Now I always confuse Daniel and Noah Webster. One of them, one of them gave us the dictionary, and one was a lawyer and orator and a U.S. Secretary of State. So I had to look it up. Daniel Webster was the lawyer and orator and U.S. Secretary of State. And he said, The Christian religion, its general principles, must ever be regarded among us as the foundation of civil society.
That is from Mr. Webster's speech in defense of the Christian ministry and in favor of the religious instruction of the young, delivered in front of the Supreme Court of the United States, February 10, 1844. George Washington, a man who needs no introduction, in an address to the Delaware Nation on May 12, 1779, said, You do well to wish to learn our arts and ways of life, and above all, the religion of Jesus Christ. These will make you a greater and happier people than you are. Now, I've, I've used that word religion a couple times in these quotes, and it's become something of a dirty word to a lot of Christians and evangelicals, because when they hear religion, they think man trying to work himself to God, as opposed to trusting in the work of Jesus Christ to get right relationship with God. And in many cases, when people talk about religion, that's basically what they're talking about, a, a, set of, a set of works that I do to appease God. But we have to be careful that when we hear the word religion from someone speaking 200 or 250 years ago, that we don't interpret it necessarily in, in our current evangelical Christian context. When the founders used the word religion, they were talking about one's belief system or the expression of one's belief system. So again, we have to be careful that we, we don't hear that word and immediately think, oh, these guys are talking about trying to earn God's favor, some unbiblical uh, works doctrine. That's not the case. Now again, this is just a small selection of quotes. I could cite many more lesser-known founding fathers who said more or less the same thing, who expressed the same sentiments. But I want to move on now to two very well-known founding fathers who did not express a faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins. In particular, Thomas Jefferson, the drafter, primary drafter of the Declaration, and the third president of the United States, had some weird views about Jesus and the gospel. He, he, he edited, made his own gospel that took out Jesus' miracles, that took out uh, any, uh, I don't want to say reference, but any evidence of Jesus' divinity. But at the same time, Thomas Jefferson said the following, the practice of morality being necessary for the well-being of society, God has taken care to impress its precepts so indelibly on our hearts that they shall not be effaced by the subtleties of our brain. We all agree in the obligation of the moral principles of Jesus, and nowhere will they be found delivered in greater purity than in his discourses. That's from the writings of Thomas Jefferson by Albert Ellery Berg. And then there's Benjamin Franklin, who, if there was any founding father who would be accurately described as a deist, it would be Benjamin Franklin. And he did express doubts about Jesus' divinity, but here's what else he said. This is in a letter to Ezra Stiles from March 9, 1790. Here is my creed. I believe in one God, the creator of the universe, that he governs it by his providence, that he ought to be worshipped. As to Jesus of Nazareth, my opinion of whom you particularly desire, I think the system of morals and his religion, as he left them to us, is the best the world ever saw or is likely to see. Once again, this is not an exhaustive list by any means. 
I haven't touched on anything from Alexander Hamilton, Patrick Henry, John Hancock, John Jay, Francis Scott Key, Noah Webster, John Witherspoon, Elbridge Gerry, and many, many more names that most of us don't even recognize, but who were signers of the Declaration of Independence or the Constitution or who were instrumental in the founding of America. Now, I'm not ready to vouch for the personal faith in Jesus Christ of every single founding father, but I hope that this small collection of, of quotes will show you that the idea that they were all secular and irreligious, that idea is a bunch of garbage. Because even those who did not have faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins, which as we've seen many of them did, even those that didn't had a Judeo-Christian worldview. Because that was the dominant worldview in the colonies and in, in early America. Now, if you search through all the writings and all the evidence, you could probably find some founding father who didn't have a Judeo-Christian worldview. But I haven't come across that person yet. And so it is fair to say, as I mentioned in a previous episode, that the foundation of America was laid on the bedrock of Scripture because the founding fathers had, if not a personal faith in Jesus Christ, if not a theologically perfect doctrine, they had at least a Judeo-Christian, a biblical worldview. I want to leave you with a couple resources in case you want to dive into this more deeply. The first is a book called America's Christian History by Gary DeMar, D-E-M-A-R. It looks at some of the original state constitutions and events from the early days of this country and really does an outstanding job of showing the founding fathers Christian faith and Christian worldview and how that was instrumental in the foundation of America. The second is a website called wallbuilders.com. Now this is not devoted to, to Donald Trump and the border wall. It's going to be a beautiful wall, really. The biggest and best wall you've ever seen. Such a great wall. That's not what the site's about. It's about helping Christians to understand the history of this country and the biblical foundation upon which it was laid and giving them tools and resources. So I encourage you to check out America's Christian History by Gary DeMar and wallbuilders.com. And now I want to close with one more quote, but this is not from the Founding Fathers. This is from the reports of committees of the House of Representatives made during the first session of the 33rd Congress. That is from 1854. And this quote that I'm going to read you is echoed by Supreme Court justices from 1892, 1931, and as late as 1952. So this is, this is the idea that was prevalent through the first two centuries of America. And again, this is, this is the quote from the reports of committees of the House of Representatives made during the first session of the 33rd Congress in 1854. Quote, Christianity was the religion of the founders of the Republic, and they expected it to remain the religion of their descendants. End quote. End of discussion. <laughs>